And we welcome you into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptoff, C70th Bat, at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Tara Wellman from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman. Tara is with us because, finally, she has power after the, was it a D-Reco? I don't know how to say it. How do you say I, I believe it? It's, I believe it's Spanish in its roots, so it's derecho. Ah, so I had absolutely. <laughs> Nonetheless, it's a, it's a land hurricane. That's what it is. Yeah. And I mean, and, and obviously, when you move to Iowa or you live in Iowa, you expect a hurricane. Right. So. Yes, that's I, it's normal, uh, you know, for hurricanes with no water. Yeah. Don't yeah. come to the problem. But anyway, Tara is <laughs> back among uh, us with with power and, and Internet and television and has seen the Cardinals play baseball this week, which is an amazing thing to say. The Cardinals finally get through their their COVID um quarantine um they have a very hard road to go but they came out strong winning the doubleheader on saturday before having one bad inning i guess basically today against the white Sox. tara were you a little bit surprised at how how strong they came out of the gate given the the time they've had off you know there were really two things that could have happened. They could have been extraordinarily motivated to prove that they were going to compete and not just show up, or they could have been, uh, you know, completely flat and, and fallen on their faces because of the layoff. Actually, I guess there was a third option and that is what I would have anticipated perhaps being more likely. And that is that they would all be too aggressive and not just come out motivated, but come out doing the thing that sometimes Adam Wainwright does when he wants to be the guy that pitches the complete game shutout, right? And you just try a little too hard or to see, you know, Colton Wong at the top of the lineup, maybe swing out of his shoes on a couple of pitches because he just wanted to get something going. And that would have been, you know, perhaps even the the worst of those scenarios, because then they would have felt like, man, we were even trying really hard and we didn't get anything going. So it was good to see them come out and and kind of fall right in the middle of that and realize, OK, look, this is it's going to be a battle and it's not going to be fun all the time, but we've got a chance to get out here and do something and we need to get it off to a great start. And Colton did get them off to a great start with an eight pitch walk that really did kind of set the tone. And then there were some little plays all throughout the rest of the the 14 innings that they played that surprised me in the sense that they didn't look like a team that felt like they were chasing something. They didn't look like a team that felt like they were, you know, sluggish and underprepared. They looked like they were ready to go and they just went out and did what they're capable of. It was somewhat reminiscent of the actual opening weekend seven years ago when they looked pretty good in their first couple of games against the Pirates, then not so great in the series finale. But the potential that was all there that opening weekend still showed up this weekend. And quite honestly, based on what they're going to have to do in the next month and a half, this was, other than the one inning from Ramirez today, this was pretty much the best start they could have asked for from the pitching that they got in the doubleheader to kick things off, from the contributions up and down the lineup, from the little plays that were made, from the defense, even from guys who were sort of out of position. And, you know, who doesn't like a Major League debut or seven? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I, I wasn't sure if, if one of the bloggers kind of got in there and made a debut too. I, I, I might have missed it in the, everything else. Um, yeah, lots of, of, lots of debuts. It was... 
you know, I, I feel like I was kind of like you. I think that there's a lot of adrenaline. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of focus of getting off on the right foot of showing what there were. Because, I mean, we talk about them being off for 17 days. That doesn't actually include the last game they played, which you couldn't tell that they played, you know, three hits <laughs> right. against the, the Twins. So to, to come out that the, the real test is going to be this time next week after they've played, you know, two more double headers and just continuing to, to start getting into that grind where that newness wears off. And the, the fact that they're averaging 10 innings a, a day, uh, I think for the rest of the year starts to, to wear on them. It's going to be, I mean, this is going to be huge for Mike Schilt, right? I mean, yeah. and I think we saw that a little bit this weekend about how he plans to, to really rotate people and not necessarily, you know, ride somebody until they, they collapse. We saw, you know, Paul Goldschmidt DHing today after playing both games yesterday. It seems like he's going to use that DH body in other places to really kind of rest people a little bit as much as he can. Unless you're Dylan Carlson, and then you're just going to play every well, single game ever because you're young and you can, right? That's right, exactly. <laughs> you know, no, I don't think you have it any other way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I think you're right. It's a huge test for Mike Schilt in how to get the best out of a bad situation. And he's the kind of person that's never going to let those guys hang their head and think, oh, why us? He's mm. just going to remind them this is the reality of our situation and this is an opportunity for us to do something that's never been done before and to manage it the best that we can and I think we saw that in the way he utilized the pitching again with the exception of Ramirez although I, I think we can talk about that when we get to it I think there may have also been some strategy there it just didn't go well um, but you know the way that he mixed guys in and out of the lineup the way that he you know, pulled all the strings in the first two games of the series to maintain, you know, the the freshness for this upcoming week that's going to be a disaster in terms of what you normally anticipate for baseball weeks. Um, and there's a lot of weight on him right now trying to not only, and he spoke to this a little bit, not only deal with the strategy of how to make this work on the field, but of feeling somewhat responsible for maintaining all of the extra protocols and all of the extra patterns and really modeling that. We saw him in the dugout with double masks on from the second he walked out onto the field all three games. And, you know, we saw not not everyone all the time following suit, but a lot of guys doing that and, and making sure those precautions were taken. We saw him uh, doing the, the sort of miming uh, high fives and, and fist bumps instead of actually touching anybody. So he's got a lot going on and it's going to weigh as heavily on him as it does on anyone else to just try to make sure you put guys in a position to succeed enough to get this team where they think they can go. Yeah, it was interesting to see, you know, today Dakota Hudson uh, when well, um, Mike Maddox comes out to, for a bullpen or for a mound visit, pulls a mask out of his pocket, you know, and, and holds it <laughs> yeah. up. I don't know if he actually put it on, but at least covered his face that way. Uh, you know, I, to some degree, you hope this is the barn door after the horses left, but you definitely can't afford to risk another possible disruption to the calendar, which unfortunately may be out of their hands depending on what happens with the reds um this week and we'll still have to wait and see on that but with cincinnati having a test a positive test this weekend and them coming into uh bush on thursday um this, this might not quite be over but let's uh, let's not look too far ahead and get depressed yet let's, uh, let's talk about let's talk about dylan carlson um 
you know, there was a lot of excitement this week when he was going to be called up. He gets called up, you know, right after the fifth game when it doesn't matter for his service time, which I don't think this was exactly the plan. This is not, you know, Mo didn't ex- arrange a, a pandemic just so he could, uh, you know, uh, do this. But um, so far, it looks like he belongs. Yeah, uh, you know, they talked about a mid-August call-up. I just don't think they really yeah. thought it would be five games in. Nonetheless, yeah, I don't think he looked overmatched. I don't think he um, looked like he was out of his league. I don't think that he, you know, turned any heads dramatically in the first series. And we talked a little bit about that. The expectations of him were so high that, you know, you kind of expect him to come out like, Vlad Jr. or, you know, Tatis or, you know, these guys that are just tearing the cover off the ball. And he might get there, but he didn't do that this weekend. And he made some nice plays, played all three outfield positions, did everything that he needed to do there, proved himself capable of hitting major league pitching. There was an at-bat today where he uh, got a pitch really inside from Keuchel and he was able to pull his hands in and, and kind of muscle it out past the infield for a base hit and that sort of thing shows his skill set but you know I don't think he had the series of a lifetime or anything like that it just was okay yes he's here he can play we see what he's capable of and it looks like he has everything he has all the tools necessary to not just fit in at that level but excel and I'm excited to see how he fits into this as they go along because this is going to be unlike anything else that'll ever happen to him hopefully knock on wood in his baseball career and he's really getting tossed into the deep end yeah and you know you're right. He didn't necessarily, he didn't hit a home run in his first at bat. He didn't hit a home run at all this weekend. He didn't, you know, get hit every time up, but he definitely hit some balls yeah. hard and didn't have a lot of results for it too. I mean, what I think maybe today he had the, one of his outs was like the hardest ball that was hit all day long. Um, you know, those things will, will start to drop and he's going to get a lot of playing time the, the, between the versatility and the fact that, you, you know, once you've got him up there, there's no reason to really waste him. And I think there would be some fans, you know, pandemic or no, storming, <laughs> storming uh, Chicago to if they if they benched him um, for any length of time. So, but it was it was good to see. Um, you know, obviously that's the one that stood out, but there were so many others that made their debuts this weekend. Um, John Nagowski, uh, Seth Elledge, uh, Rob Kamansky, after being traded away and then coming yeah. back uh, to St. Louis, finally making that debut, and then. You know, of course, Raul Ramirez, who struggled today, and I think struggled is probably the kind way of, of saying it when you give up four home runs in a row and six runs total in less than an inning. You know, there was a lot of talk, and I didn't get a chance to see this part of the game, but there's a lot of talk on Twitter and other places about Mike Schilt being a little bit slow to go get him off the mound. You know, besides the fact that there's a lot of double headers coming up and you really don't want to, you know, sometimes you just have to let somebody ride. Um, Are there other reasons you think that they might have left him out there? You know, I don't know. It's it's a tough situation and certainly not what you want to be the lasting memory of a debut for a guy like that. I don't know that there were a whole lot of people who expected him to be part of this mix at all. I know Mm -hmm. I didn't. And watching him today... I'm not going to say that everyone but the powers that be that put him there were right, but (laughs) he looked as overmatched as I've ever seen anyone look 
on the mound. He just, he was overthrowing. He was in his own head. You could see it. He was like a deer in the headlights. And it didn't get any better after the first home run, clearly. And it wasn't one of those situations where, you know, they hit a three-run bomb and then you go, okay, well, at least the pressure's off now. And then he sailed right through. It wasn't that situation at all. So I don't know why he was left out there. I did not hear or see any postgame comments from Mike Schultz to know what was said about that or what wasn't. Um, I do think that there's probably, this is what I was alluding to earlier, some level of strategy when you're looking at this many games in, you know, five days that maybe you don't want the guys, you know, you're going to need in the series with the Cubs pitching in this game to finalize the series with the Sox, especially after you already won the series with the two wins on the first game. That's, I I don't know that anyone would ever say, yes, we had Ramirez in that spot because we didn't really care. (laughs) That's not what anyone's ever going to say, but I do think there's some method to the madness of making sure the, uh, you know, the Gallegos and the Reyes and the, you know, those guys are available for that Cub series because it's a much tougher opponent in some regards. Obviously a lot of talented hitters for the White Sox, not the most disciplined hitters, but nonetheless, still major league caliber hitters that you have to get through in that lineup, but the Cubs are are playing much better baseball right now. And that's a more important series based on, you know, the division uh, ramifications there. So I sort of rambling a bit, trying to come up with some sort of reasoning to why that may have been the case. I think when you're going to have to use as many arms as they are, you don't necessarily have the luxury of pulling a guy just because he struggles, but to leave him hanging out there seemed like a, a pretty cringeworthy moment, not just because of the home runs and not just because I was watching the Chicago broadcast and they mentioned it 9 million times after that, that there were four consecutive home runs historic, if you will. Uh, But it was cringy because of the, the lasting memory. Mike Myers comparisons were being made and that's never a good thing. Not usually, not usually. I did see Myers pitch not too long ago, so he seems to be doing all right. So there you that's go. you know, there's, you can you know, recover. It just takes right. a while. <laughs> it took Myers quite a while. It wasn't just his first outing that was rough, but um, you know, I do. I think Mike Schilt probably came into this weekend with this kind of a sketched out plan, because if, if I'm right and I have a look at the box scores and stuff, and I'm pretty sure nobody pitched in more than one game this weekend. Right. Yeah. Um, it was an idea to get everybody on the field to get everybody, you know, their feet wet to some degree and kind of see what we, what the Cardinals have, you, you know, you can do that when you're playing the white Sox, who again, good team, but not in the division. And now he goes to Chicago and except for Seth Elledge, who I think probably opened some eyes today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he will probably, they'll want to use him at some point in time. I don't know if they can use him by Wednesday or not, but um, you know, you're right. They've got, They've got the Reyes. They've got the Gallegos. They got the Miller. They've got, you know, good and bad. They've got the guys that they want to face against the Cubs, and they're going to need them because, um, you know, two of those games are, are going to be bullpen games. Uh, one of those games is going to be started. Well, all three of those games are going to be started by other games. They're going to be started by pitchers that haven't pitched yet, and if we see any indication, they're probably going to max out at what. 55 60 pitches um so you're going to need those a lot of bullpen arms um it's so yeah i think to some degree if you lose this battle to win the war of of wrigley field then you do it 
Yeah. And that's a better way of what I was trying to say is that there, there has to be some level of strategy when you're playing this many games in such a condensed amount of time, because you have to know your opponent. You have to know almost how to prioritize which games matter more. And that doesn't make it feel any less awful for Ramirez, but Mm -hmm. there does have to be a plan in place. That's the only way you're going to get through a sequence of games like this. And that's back to Mike Schilt, something that he and his staff have to be so particular about at this point. And it's also why I said, particularly after the first two games of that series, that went as well as they could have expected because I bet that's exactly how they planned it out. And everything on the pitching side went exactly according to plan. And the first speed bump really was Dakota Hudson, maybe only going uh, four innings, I believe it was on Sunday. And then the pieces kind of fell apart after that, when you get to Ramirez, but Elledge looked good. There were some other moments, uh, Kaminsky getting in the game. All of those things were not necessarily terrible it was just the it was just the the Ramirez incident and other than that I would imagine this went pretty much according to their plan on the pitching side of things obviously a little more offense on Sunday against Keuchel would have been nice but the the pitching side of things seems to be the most complex at this point and Mm -hmm. they got mostly what they needed out of this weekend I would agree with you except for I do believe they probably honestly got more than they expected because I don't know that they expected Adam Wainwright to go five Sure, innings. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and that's, but you know, on the other side of that, maybe they did because I think you look at this and people are like, why isn't Jack Flaherty pitching this first game? And there are a lot of, of reasons. I mean, I, it's a little bit strange that Flaherty is going so late and I know there's probably so he can get some work in blah, blah, blah. But you, you got to, when you link about sitting out the veteran Adam Wainwright, who is knows what it's like to sit out for a while, you know, he's lost some time for injuries. He's lost some time with other things. You probably, that's exactly where you want. You want him on the mound because he's going to be able to set the tone more than anybody else on that, on that roster. Yeah. I mean, there are a number of reasons I can imagine holding Jack out. Uh, one of which is that you probably want him going against the Cubs if you can. Again, putting it all out on paper and seeing what is our best case scenario and how do we want this to go and then adapting from there. But you're right. Adam Wainwright is the guy that has dealt with almost everything in this game in some form or another. Every kind of pressure you can imagine, he's felt it. And this was a situation that no one had experienced, but Adam Wainwright is so experienced in handling things that he's never done before. (laughs) One, because he's been around a long time. Two, because he's been the up and comer. He's been the the surprise closer in the, the World Series. He's been the ace of the staff. He's been a Cy Young candidate who went down with injury and had to come back from that. He's now been the old guy who didn't know if he could do it anymore and then found it again. He's been in all of these situations that have required him to train his mind as much as his body to just, and he said this, just forget about the fact that he hadn't pitched in 17 days or whatever it was. Forget Mm. about the fact that the team was coming back from this unbelievable scenario. Forget about everything else that was going on and just do what he has done for so long. So yeah, in a lot of ways, I think Adam Wainwright was absolutely the guy that you want out there on the mound, setting the tone, 
proving that it doesn't have to be this big, dramatic, terrifying, everything's going to be awful situation and just going out there and doing his job. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's a huge tone setting as well. And anyway, again, it helped that the Cardinals put up four runs before he even yeah. got to take them out. Don't, don't get me wrong, but um, you feel like Adam would have figured out a way to, to go as deep as he could into a ball game like that, uh, you know, any way he could. And, and that's, that's huge. And it, it really did. It really did help because it did mean you did, you're some guys that you didn't have to use in that game that you probably didn't have, means you didn't have to, you, you could use them in the second game or you yeah. didn't use them there and you saved them, you know, a ellage or something like that, saved them for Sunday. So um, it's great to see. It's, it's, it's a little weird. I don't know. Today I was having problems remembering that they had to play nine innings. <laughs> Yeah, you know, likewise. <laughs> I mean, you, know, you watch two seven-inning games after such a gap, and it's like, and they're going to play so many of these. I think it's going to be weird, but I, to some degree, I feel like this the seven-innings thing just plays right into their hands because they've got the pitching depth, especially once the starters are kind of firing on all cylinders. You know, almost every starter could, could go six or seven innings, um, you know, and then you've, you don't have to cover that much for the bullpen. This really is probably ideal for them if they're going to have to do what they're going to have to do. Yeah, it allows the second game to be a bullpen start more often than not, mm-hmm. and you're not that worried about it. It gives value even more so to those guys like Reyes, like Gant, uh, like even Gallegos, and you start adding some of these other guys back into the mix that are kind of natural two-inning guys. Gomber, if he comes back uh, and is in the bullpen as opposed to filling a more of a rotation spot, depending on how they you know, manage their way in and out of these double headers. But you have guys that can go multiple innings, and there hasn't always been a ton of opportunity for those guys because of the success of the starting staff. But in this situation, you're right. If you get a good outing from your starter in game one of a double header and maybe use one guy to close it out, two guys if necessary, like they did uh, in Saturday's first game, I believe then you have all of those guys with the ability to go multiple innings that can give you the length that you need in those bullpen games without dipping into every last arm that you have every time around. So yes, the seven inning thing definitely plays into their favor in that regard, but so does just the kind of pitchers that they have. And weirdly enough, this strange thing that they've done for the last, I don't know, five years where it's like they won't actually decide if someone's a starter or a reliever. <laughs> they just keep them at AAA and are like, ah, we'll figure it out eventually. Apparently they were building for this moment. Yes. <laughs> Long-term planning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's pretty amazing uh, to think about that and, and to see how, and I, I think it's really, really smart and i don't i mean not that it's revolutionary but i don't know that some managers would do this you know mike schilt has said he's not going to tell you who's going to start that bullpen game yeah you know second half of a double header until he sees how the first half goes um and there's it kind of throws out that whole idea of you know starters need to have an idea but you know these are guys that are really typically coming out of the bullpen jake what woodford um did this second game yesterday um, and you know, they're only going to plan and pitch two, three innings. So if you can get six out of your starter in game one, you know, you can use an Alex Reyes or a Hinesis Cabrera or something like that. And 
you know, maybe even go deep in those games too because of the fact that they can go deep. Right. Yeah, they just have a lot of options. And the trick to that is going to be, and this is another reason I think that for the most part, again, Ramirez yeah. is the giant asterisk on all of this. Uh, for the most part, the management of the pitching staff was really strong this weekend in a sense that nobody was pushed beyond their limit. Nobody was pushed too far that you felt like, oh, they haven't thrown in a while. Are you sure you want them to throw another pitch? And yeah. this was an opportunity to kind of get some guys stretched back out a little bit into a little bit of a routine as they move forward it, when there's going to be nothing, nothing that's routine about any of this. But it was a good chance, like you said, to get guys out there, let them throw, loosen things back up without <laughs> you know, expecting seven or eight innings from a bullpen guy that is used to going to. So they have a lot of options. The trick is going to be obviously health and keeping those arms as fresh as you can and then getting those good starts from your starting five as you go through whatever that rotation looks like at this point. It's gone through several iterations already, and that allows you to set up your bullpen going forward. So the Cardinals do go into Wrigley then for five games in three days. Uh, we know what happened last time they went to Wrigley, so if they want to, you know, do that again, yeah. the sweep that they did last year, that would be fine. Um, and then they get a four-game set, and hopefully, knock on wood, all that, with the Reds uh, actually in Bush Stadium in front of the cardboard cutouts um, <laughs> that have been there for a little bit of a while now. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely nothing to watch. Um what are your feelings seeing as, as they go into this, you know, the, the opening day type awareness, you know, buzz type of thing kind of wears off and they get into what really is going to be their, their life for the next six weeks. Well, I think it's anything but certain. And that is kind of the motto for all of us right now in any walk of life. But even now looking at the the possibility of the Reds canceling some games, that's also going to impact the Cardinals. So this is far from over as far as how trying to play baseball in a pandemic is going to affect all of these teams that are, are involved, not just the team that may have a, a positive case or 18. So there's still a lot to this story to develop before we have a handle on any sort of rhythm or routine to this season. But I do think that the the time off, the extended time off, may have done something for the the mindset of these players in that it wasn't a situation where it was just a few days and they were more annoyed than anything. It was mm-hmm. enough that they all realize there's no choice. <laughs> this, yeah. th- There's nothing good about trying to fit this many games into so many days and doing it while traveling, uh, apparently individually, <laughs> at least for the time yeah. being, and <laughs> doing with all the safety precautions and all of the additional protocol and all of those things. There's nothing that's great about any of that, but they've all had time to kind of come to terms with it and realize, okay, we believe that we have something worth putting out on the field this year and this is the way we have to do it so maybe the the extended layoff has put them in a better position mindset wise to take this just sort of as hey whenever they tell me to get on the field and play that's what we're gonna go do and I think if they can maintain that as well as kind of that that controlled edge that we saw in the first doubleheader. By that, I mean they were patient at the plate, but they were aggressive when they needed to be. They they took chances on the base paths that 
put them in a position to score, those sorts of things. But they weren't out of control in any of that. That's where they're going to have to live <laughs> as yeah. they manage their way through this very, very bizarre situation that none of them have ever had to deal with before. And that's the other thing. They're all in the same boat. No one knows how to do this. So they're just going to have to make the most of the moment that they're in and the opportunity that they have. Yeah. And you've been to Wrigley. Is there enough room to park 41 cars around there? <laughs> uh, strategically, they may have to walk away, but... <laughs> I mean, there are there are forty more than forty one cars that do park there on a normal game day. Sure, so sure. somewhere there would be forty one spaces yeah, for cars you know to that, park. You know that guy that charges fifty dollars for parking is still out there. Oh, I know. He tried to charge me fifty dollars for parking <laughs> the last time I was there. Yeah. So he's he's he sees those cardinals coming. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is a, this is allows for. I don't know. It always feels like there's that. This, rally rallying moment you know yeah. good teams will take something and whether it's real or imagined and you know kind of make it their focus we're going to win because nobody expects us to we're going to win because it's going to be hard we're going to mm. you know that kind of thing and you know they seem to be ready to do that that might you know i guess it's a a you know I'd, I'd hate to see them you know use this and make this big push and get into october and then just lay an egg because they're worn out but you know we'll take a, we'll worry about that when when the time comes uh, the fortunate thing is after all this uh the cubs lose three this weekend to the brewers and right now the cardinals at four and four are tied with the brewers at 11 and 11 i believe um three and a half games behind the cubs for second place i mean the playoffs ended today if they'd let them in with that short of a number of t of games they would make it. Um, you know, the f fact is the Cardinals have been really blessed by the fact that nobody in the central except for the Cubs has really played that well. Yeah. They've definitely, they're definitely still in a position to make some noise. And this has shown us kind of what we expected, I think from the division in the sense that the Brewers are not as good as they were last year, especially with Christian Yelich off to a slow start. The Pirates are not good <laughs> the <laughs> reds are still not living up to how good they should be on paper and that continues to surprise me a little bit but we knew that there was likely going to be more to that story than just oh they signed a bunch of guys they're gonna be good now and the cubs are still putting together the pieces of a, a team that was very competitive in their skill set that just didn't always live up to it last year so I don't think this is a huge surprise as far as what we've seen from the other teams. It's just been hard to watch the Cardinals not be able to compare themselves directly because they weren't out on the field to play. So this is a big series with the Cubs as any series is, but adding those additional games in, adding the big layoff and trying to manage their way through this first week back. I don't know that there's a, a better way to come into a series to decide okay, can we do this or can we not do this than to play really the, the team that's been the hottest in the National League. So the Cubs have had their bumps along the way as well, losing a couple of games to the Brewers. Or did they lose all three to the Brewers? They lost all three they, to the there, Brewers. there it is. They lost all three yeah. to the Brewers. And uh, they had their chances in each of those games. They lost them in very frustrating ways if you're Cubs fans, but it gives a little bit of insight into where there are still some cracks in that team. And the fact that 
look, the Cardinals may be reasonably set up with the the options in their bullpen with the number of competitive arms that they have available to them. The Cubs bullpen has not been that. So it's going to be interesting to see how they manage five games in three days as far as their pitching staff is concerned as well. So this series is fascinating. If you can take away the should they or shouldn't they be playing (laughs) uh, dark cloud that's over this whole season that we keep going back to, especially in light of what's happened with the Cardinals. um, This is a fascinating series, and there are so many ways that this could shake out that, uh, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be exciting to watch. It's also going to be incredibly important for both teams as they do try to make that playoff push, even though like everyone basically gets in, but nonetheless, (laughs) for the sake of the division, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. And positioning as well, I think, Yes, (laughs) but you may want to be in a better position. Um, Yeah. I think that's a good point that we, we do focus on how much, the Cardinals are going to have to do all these double headers, but the teams that they're playing, they don't have to, you know, they're not going to have to play 11 of them like mm-hmm. the Cardinals are, but they do have to be the other side of that. You know, the Cubs do have to play five games in three days as well. And you're right. We've seen that their bullpen is taxed a bit, even on a good day. So um, as long as the offense can come around, um, I don't know. I, to me, I kind of feel like even if they go two and three in that series, win, win a couple of them, um, you probably take it and move on more than that would be great. But um, even if they, they got to win a couple at least. Yeah. I, I would love for them to at least be three and three in that series uh, just for the sake of what it means in positioning them moving forward. But when you look at the thing they're trying to do coming mm-hmm. back after this long, playing that many games with arms that haven't thrown with all the guys who haven't been there before. I mean, let's not overlook the fact that there were seven, seven major league debuts this week in three games. That's insane. And that's what we're going to continue to see. Maybe not seven debuts every three games, but the point is guys who haven't been there and guys who aren't necessarily uh, used to that pressure or used to the quality of the opponent or any of those things. So there are going to be plenty of speed bumps for this team as they try to make their way through this. And this series, man, I would love for them to at least split it. But I, I think there are so many ways it could go so wrong that it's hard to be uh, it's hard to be too uh, not even optimistic. Just it's hard to, to feel like we should demand too much from this series, I guess. Yeah. It's true. At least, if nothing else, you're right. Those some of the jungas haven't been through it and don't necessarily know, but they also don't know necessarily that they're supposed to right. be scared. So maybe <laughs> we'll go and hope for that as well. Um, anyway, it should be, you know, knock on wood and everything of that nature, but it should be a very full week of Cardinal baseball, and we look forward to talking to you about it next week. Um, so until then, that's Tara. I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in Baseball Heaven.